Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. to this episode of the Denver Stiffs Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday as we take you into the weekend. Not a lot going on, of course, in this sports world, but we are making the rounds on some of our coverage to help me bring it all together. Deputy Site Manager, Zach Nikosh. Zach, how are you doing, man? I am doing well. I'm going to apologize to our listeners if you do, do hear a a uh, small noise in the background that is just the washing machine um, I'm doing great because it is my last week in this tiny little apartment that I have been living with my two kids and two dogs and wife for the past year uh, but one more time at least we're going to have to deal with the washing machine as part of my recording studio <laughs> congratulations man uh, tell, the, tell the people what, what you're doing and where, where you're heading out to yeah, so I'm heading up to uh, Wellington, Colorado, a little lovely little town just north of Fort Collins. It's about 15 minutes from my office, which is sweet. We've uh, we've been building a house where we've been having other people. I'd, I'd like to say I've been out there with my hammer and nails, but that's not been the case. Um, but we've been having somebody build a house for us, and it is done. We've actually had it for about a month. But you know we've been procrastinating, so we finally we're out of we're out of time on the lease. We got to move this sure. again. So that's what's well, happening. Well, it's awesome, man. It's it's great. I know that that could be really stressful, especially during a, a time like this where coronavirus is everywhere and people are scared out of their minds. So getting into a getting into a house for yourself is a it's got to be an exciting thing. So good for you. Good good on you. I've been well, as you guys know, I've been stuck with the family for the past. Uh, past several months and we are starting to really get at each other's throats the games of bridge have been very intense uh that's that's how our family loves to bond is we're all we're all thinkers we're all very mathematically inclined and so when card games come out we get very serious we get 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 very competitive and uh i think uh I, i won yesterday based off of how things eventually went, but that's not always the case. My brother usually kicks our butts, and he's the youngest of us all. But uh, see, when I, I was the youngest in my family as well, and I usually uh, we played a lot of Rummy Cube, which is it's like a card game. But you I just, know what you, Rummy Cube is. Yeah, right. Like, but that's a, there's another name for it if you're playing it with cards. Is it just Rummy? It yeah, th- five hundred Rummy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, I used to, I used to play that all the time with my grandma and my sisters and my mom and my dad. Um, I could, I could beat them all for sure. I was the one, I was the one who took forever to make his turn. Cause he was like working every single different possible option, you know, in, in my head, trying to set up three moves in a <laughs> row. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, well, you got to fight for everything when you're the youngest, you really got to fight. You really got to 
claw, true. tooth, and nail for everything that you get. And so that's what my brother had. I was always the more athletic one in my family. And so he just had to be the smartest. He had to be the one who was invested in like physics and shit. So like, what, what a loser, am I right? Um, no, I. But dude, <laughs> let me tell you, I was in I was in chess club by like third grade, like for sure. I was, I'm I'm right there with your brother. I understand. It's 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 a, it's a real thing, man. Uh, but anyway, if we, any of our listeners think they can take down my brother and I in bridge, find yourself a partner and, and let me know, and we'll uh we'll take you down. So, but anyway, Ooh. that's not what this uh that's not what this podcast is about. Not bridge. Not a rummy cub. Not start, new houses. We start a card game. Uh, a card game podcast that would be amazing we could go through different card games we could play online that would be cool that would be fun uh that, we'll have to think about that it Maybe probably we'll... has like a 12 episode like lifespan but you know hey that'll get us through the off season if we can <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go as you guys know we're running out of content so i'm just kidding <laughs> Uh, but anyway, we've started doing a what if series on Denver Stiffs over the past few days. Uh, started with three articles over the first three days of this series. I missed my day on Thursday. We'll have some other things up on Thursday and Friday. Don't get us worried. Uh, but the first one that we had was Carmelo Anthony being drafted by the Pistons at second overall in 2003. And the premise of this series is basically... What events happened that shaped Nuggets history that if they didn't happen or if they happened a different way, how would things change? How would the team look differently? Would it be better? Would it be worse? And so just kind of going through the scenarios like that, we thought that this would be a good one to start with because Carmelo Anthony kind of took the Nuggets into a new millennium when he was drafted at three in 2003. So my question to you, Zach, when you saw the article, when you saw... Carmelo Anthony drafted by the Pistons at two. Your first thought for who Denver would draft at three was? Darko Milicic, for sure. Because that's what they would have done. They were like, man, they were all, oh, Kiki was all about it. That would have been the guy. And it was just like, ah, it would have been, it would have been disastrous uh, had that been, had that been the pick. Nikola Skidishvili and Darko Milicic back to back would have been could have it could have just ruined this franchise. Like they could have never possibly climbed back out of that, and who knows, they could have ended up in like Seattle by now or something. Well, I was I was thinking when I when I was writing that like there's no way they can draft both of those guys back to back, right? Like after drafting Skidda, seeing how poorly it worked out in that first year, then turning around and drafting another Euro seven footer. Uh, just for the heck of it, when you had other steady options on the board. They had other steady options in 2002 as well that they just decided not to go for. They took a chance. Well, I mean, they got Nene in 2002 as well. Yeah, but like lower. Like there were some other guys up in the up in the upper regions of the 2002 draft that would have been a lot safer than Skidda, right? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously in hindsight, but I think they, they felt... Uh, they felt pretty good about him uh, b- because he was, you know, he was the uh, the hot European prospect, and they had they had got Nene, they had they had Cambi, um, so they had other bigs to kind of be like your, you know, bigs like the the kind of they were, you know, still pulling out of the '90s era at that time. So you needed those kind of classic, more more down low kind of guys, even though Cambi never sure. really actually played in the post on offense or defense for that matter, but. Um, <laughs> 
but like you know, so he was kind of like he was like the new age guy that they were trying to that they were trying to get, and they had a ton of minutes from him. I mean, he played a bunch his rookie season. He just wasn't very good, and then and then it was you know they did end up, in fact end up with Melo instead. So uh, after that point, there was the Skeeter didn't really last very long. Um, at all, as the Nuggets were clearly going in a different direction, but they were—that was what they were looking for. And I get you, yeah. From a roster construction standpoint, it would not have made uh, a ton of sense to take Darko Milicic. But that was—I mean, everybody expected that that was what. If 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 the Pistons did end up taking Melo, or even before the lottery happened, because you knew it was going to be LeBron and Melo. One, it's funny because they went one and three instead of one and two, um, but it certainly felt after March that like it was going to be Melo and LeBron one and two, particularly once Syracuse had won the national championship. And, and everybody kind of expected that to be the case until the lottery came. And I can't, I want to say it was the Grizzlies who I believe were still in Vancouver at the time. Um, the Pistons obviously did not actually own the second pick. They had that via trade, uh, sure. an earlier trade because they had, um, they had actually been played quite well that season, so I think it was I think it was the Grizzlies. I could be wrong. Maybe some you're right. Action. No, I was listening to uh, I was listening to Chad Ford and Bill Simmons do their redraftable pod on the 2003 draft uh, just a couple days ago, and it was funny that that you bring that up because the the story that they told was that the Pistons fell in love with Darko Milicic. Uh, based off of a lot of the workouts that he did when he was right. when he was in the when he was in the states, the Pistons just happened to be in the same building. Uh, but if they hadn't drafted Darko, it wasn't like they were just going to draft Mello because they were actually in love with Tayshawn Prince. So right. they decide they were thinking, hey, maybe Chris Bosh is the guy that we're going to go with at two. And had they done that, it would have been really interesting to see whether Mello or Darko, Darko would have been the pick at three. Yeah, I think I don't see, and that's what I don't necessarily know. Um, Denver would have done if they had their choice of the two. I think they would have had a really hard time passing up Melo because Melo was, I mean, a a bona fide superstar franchise changing prospect, and you knew that uh, after watching him in the tournament but the the thing was is that the the nuggets too got to see darko in those workouts and they 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 fell in love um as did detroit right like everybody kind of apparently you know darko had like just one of the just this phenomenal workout that made him look like you know the the second coming of 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 larry bird mixed with you know a big who could rebound and, and and was had some athleticism and and when that happened and then the lottery came in and it was detroit like that got the pick instead of Vancouver, you know, it kind of say it really saved the Nuggets bacon because it, for Detroit it made sense um, to take Darko instead of Melo because, like you said, they they were really happy with Tayshawn Prince. They had the scoring too. They had scoring from Chauncey, from Rip Hamilton. Well, they, but that's that's where I disagree with win. you though. That's that's one of the that's one of the things that I pulled up in my article was that. Hey, they've got their they've got their point guard, they've got their shooting guard. They had their two-time defensive player of the year center and Ben Wallace at the time. Does it really make sense to draft another center? Does it really make sense to draft a guy who's a project when you're when you're really close when you are like you like you said they're a good totally team. They made does, the Eastern though. Conference Finals. Like 
Yeah, but that's just it. Look at Michael Porter Jr. right now with the Nuggets, right? You can't find this guy minutes. Like, that's why Darko made sense for them because he was a project. He was a guy that they didn't necessarily have to get minutes right away. They could bring him along slowly and then hopefully make him, you know, next piece. Essentially, to be the guy to replace Rasheed Wallace was what, you know, what they wanted to use him as. And it just obviously didn't work out, went up in flames. But, like, to me, it made sense to take a guy who was maybe had a super high ceiling but wasn't quite there yet because you had time to bring him along slowly. Like, you didn't need him to immediately play a ton of minutes and and be, like, the, the face of your franchise. So I think it really it was it was a move that a lot of other teams probably don't make if they needed that, if they needed the mellow, right? If they needed the face of the franchise, the guy to put butts in the seats. But because Detroit didn't need that, Darko actually made a lot of sense for them. Maybe so. Maybe maybe you're right. I, I just kind of look back on that era, just looking back at some of the games that they played back at that time, whether it was in the conference finals or if it was actually in the NBA finals. They did win during Melo's rookie year, that 03-04 season. But what what really happened was when, when it got to next season and the following seasons after that, they didn't have somebody who could carry that scoring uh, they lost a lot of games to the, uh, especially in that 2005 finals to Tim Duncan, like 87 to 78 or, or numbers like that, right. where they just couldn't score. They when when you're faced with a really good defense, you couldn't find a way to get the ball in the hoop. And I don't know. I I, I see Mello as a guy who could have fit into that mold really well, either as a scorer off the bench immediately, somebody who you already knew was going to play 25 minutes a night as your sixth man. Or you start him, and you have the ability to move Tayshawn Prince to the four and play some kind of modern basketball with with that kind of look. Right. Or honestly, what they what they probably would have done in that day, they just move him to the two and just use him as as the defensive stopper out on the wings, um, which is what they used him as uh, at the three as well. The, sure. I mean, I'm not arguing with you, Ryan. Like, like for sure, they they screwed it up, right? <laughs> now that we have the now that we have the uh, the proof that's in the pudding, like it, um, <laughs> they should have def- they should have definitely taken Mello instead of Darko. And you're right. I thought you really did bring out a lot of good points in the article. They could have been a dynasty um, if they have Mello there, because I think he him with with Chauncey. We we saw how he worked with Chauncey here in Denver, um, having Chauncey there for his entire career, getting to. Uh, get coached by Larry Brown even if though it would only been for one year um, as a rookie I think that Mello there there's some stories out there uh, of Mello and Jeff Budzdelic not really getting along all that well because Mello really oh, yeah. just didn't respect him um, as a coach you know so there there's some certain certain benefits I think that he would have got from playing in Detroit and Detroit certainly would have benefited from having him on the roster and would have really I think been been a team to challenge somebody from the West, right? I mean, that was other than the the one year Dwayne Wade and Shaq kind of caught the the Dallas Mavericks sleeping there in the finals. They they pretty much the West dominated the two thousands. Um, yeah, and up had until that, they had Mello, it might have been different. Up until that Celtics big three, this the the Pistons right. would have dominated the middle of that decade for sure. Uh, that's that's right. something that well, at least it would have been it would have been Pistons versus like we would have seen a lot of Pistons Spurs um, finals I'm thinking or Pistons and maybe even Pistons Lakers towards the back end. Sure, and and that'll be fun. I I would have loved to see that. I would have loved to see Melo be in that position to kind of prove some of these like there. 
some people say he's not a Hall of Famer because he hasn't really won, and, and there is some truth to that, but it's it's kind of missing the boat, I would say. Well, and the other thing people got to remember is is it's the Basketball Hall of Fame, not the uh, NBA Hall of Fame. So Melo, as uh, you know, the guy who led Syracuse to a national title and has, I, I don't even know how many gold medals now, more gold medals in basketball than any other person ever, he's he's like, oh, he's a sure surefire Hall of Famer. Sure. Uh, switching to the Denver side, though, really quickly, we'll we'll move on to a couple of the other segments here, real quick. But uh, I posited that the Nuggets would have taken Dwayne Wade. It doesn't seem like that was really what they would have had in mind. But say they take Dwayne Wade, say they they don't take Darko, and that the the positional issues that would have come up when you already had Marcus Camby and Nene and and Jawan Howard and guys of that nature. Let's say that those kind of right. figure that out. Uh, do you think the Nuggets are better with Dwayne Wade or Carmelo Anthony throughout their careers? Well, probably would have been better with Dwayne Wade because I think ultimately, if you're going to compare the two, Dwayne Wade's—I mean, he's definitely the better player. We've we've seen he led his team to—I mean, that the Heat team that that he led, not the ones he went to the championships um, with with LeBron, but the one that he led to that ring in what was that? Oh six. Um, yeah. He that that's something that Melo has never come close to doing, right? Like, and that was that was one of those playoffs where it's very similar to when Dallas beat Miami, uh, you know, five years later. Is the the there was one player who just flat out nobody could stop, who just went on an insane run for like six weeks, and it was Dwayne Wade. Like, the, you could not stop that guy um, in that playoff series, and then and then he took him all the way to the finals. So and, and and then you know got, went down what they went down o two going back to Dallas, and and then one I think won the next four in a row and basically right. he put the team on his shoulders and was like no we're not losing this I'm gonna I'm gonna win this championship, um, we never saw that we never saw that from Melo so I, I I tend to think like he probably could have done that here in Denver now it was a, it was gonna be a tougher walk through the West in, in terms of getting to the finals than it was in the East but I think. The Nuggets probably certainly win um, some more some more playoff series. I don't think their first round exits all the time with Dwayne Wade. It would have still been interesting to see how they build around him because they're not in terms of roster construction. I don't think Melo versus Dwayne Wade in their young primes is too different. Like right, you're, that's your score, and you're kind yeah. of bringing those pieces around him. Well, let's say you bring in Andre Miller, and, and even if you bring in Kenyon Martin and Nene and Marcus Camby and guys of that nature. All you need is a a defensive three, somebody maybe to take a little bit of scoring load off of him, and right, and which you could they had have, Ryan Bowen, had so they had the defensive three with no scoring load. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, no it, offense, it's possible. Coach Bowen. Yeah, hey, I, I lo- love you, coach. Like it's all good. Uh, but uh, but either way, it's it's at least an interesting conversation to have, and and I enjoyed writing that article for that reason. Was there are lots of scenarios where you could see. Dwayne Wade in a Nuggets uniform or Darko Milicic in a Nuggets uniform, even Chris Bosh, if they weren't sold on some of the other guys that they had at the four. Uh, I I ended that article basically by saying, I think that Dwayne Wade and LeBron James end in Chicago and play with Derrick Rose in right. 2010, because the reason why Wade was able to lure LeBron to Miami was because he had already won a championship. They're already established there. Uh, I don't think Wade ever gets super established in Denver. I don't think LeBron ever gets super established in Cleveland. 
and they find a new home and and Wade's hometown in Chicago probably makes a lot of sense for them where they could compete with a championship with Derrick Rose. Sure. Yeah, that would um that would make a ton of sense and and they would have that would have been just as formidable. Obviously, you don't know if Derrick Rose goes through the same health issues that he did, but yeah, it would have been uh it would have been interesting. It would uh, but I think, you know, I don't know. It it's hard to say because Dwayne Wade maybe to me doesn't seem like Melo left for the brand, right? Like let's not get it twisted. Melo didn't leave because he wanted to start um, a, a super team. He 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 went because he wanted to, to develop his brand. I don't if Dwayne Wade had and Dwayne Wade never left, right? He was the one guy who actually did stay in Miami. Now Miami it, may, it might be just more his style than Denver would have ever been, but like. With that extension on the table, just like it was on the table for Melo, like I don't know, maybe maybe he signs it and maybe maybe he stays with Denver, just like he ended up staying with Miami. And maybe Denver does a better job of putting a roster around Melo that really accentuates Wade's strengths, for example, uh, right. because when when they had Melo, they traded Andre Miller for. Allen Iverson and that wasn't ever great and then they traded Allen Iverson for Chauncey Billups and that was great that was exactly what Denver needed at the time but but they had already locked in Kenyon Martin they had already locked in a variety of other players that weren't ever going to be uh, great championship pieces and if you play it a little bit smarter which maybe you were able to with Dwayne Wade as opposed to Mello then I don't know maybe things change it's it's hard to tell at this point but it is fun to think about for sure. Uh, how about you with Mello never asking out of Denver? You wrote this article for Tuesday, and you came to an interesting conclusion that I don't know if everybody here has listened or has read that article, and or I want to I want to get your thoughts on it for the audience here. Right. Yeah. So like I um this was the question that actually spawned the, uh, spawned the idea for the, for the series. I, I just thought about it one day and asked it on Twitter, and then. And then we all kind of started talking about it in our Slack chat, and we kind of ran with this idea to do. There was a ton of these kind of questions we could find, but I, I kind of thought like what I wanted to think in initially when I first saw the question was like it would have been sweet to see Masai Ujiri build a team around Carmelo Anthony and see what what he could have done. Um, and so I started writing this article with thinking like I'm going to come to this conclusion that like this team could have won a championship. And that's totally not where I ended up when I started looking back at everything. Where I actually ended up was it pretty much just would have delayed the, re- the rebuild that was coming anyways. Because the thing about it was if Melo stays, my, my initial thought was, well, they, they were about to be sitting on a ton of cash. Because Kenya Martin and his crazy contract was finally going to be up. Uh, at the same time, J.R. Smith's uh, contract was up. There's another person too. I can't remember who it was. So there's a, a third guy in that group. Oh, oh, Nene was yeah. also. Nene um, was up. Yeah. Yeah. They, so they, they had those three guys, and it was like 33 million bucks out of a 58 million dollar cap. Um, now, obviously, they would have still had Chauncey and uh, Mello, who would have counted with Mello's extension, would have accounted for about 31. So they still would have had some big, big names on there. But other than Al Harrington, uh, thank you, Mark Warkentine, they had no <laughs> other. Um, they had no other real big contracts to, to, to speak of on that roster once all these guys came off. So they would have had money. And so my initial thoughts was, well, okay, Masai Ujiri, he's got money in free agency. He's got the star player in Melo. Like, he would have made something happen. But then you look at the free agent class 
uh, in 2011, and it's garbage. I mean, like, there's there's Marc Gasol, but he was clearly always going back uh, to Memphis, and he was restricted anyways. Uh, David West was, like, the next best guy out there, and he got paid something stupid, like $20 million a season, um, which was a ton of money for when you think about it for 50. It must have been obviously a max contract, sure. basically. But only for – it was a short-term two-year deal to go to Indiana, which if you remember, I mean, he was pretty good when he was in Indiana. He was good. He wasn't like he was in New Orleans when he was like, you know, is this guy going to be a star player? And I think he went to some all-star games, at least one, when he was in New Orleans. Um and then that was it. And then the next guy was Nene. Like that was that was it. There was just not a ton. And even so, even if they say they like sit on the money, and they wait till the next year. Well, you had Darren Williams, um, who just re-upped in with the Nets, anyways. But after him, it starts really. I mean, you're talking like Steve Nash, and I can't even remember. I mean, but a bunch of other guys who were just like not great. And as we know, even Darren Williams didn't turn out so great. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Nets, yeah. I mean, the Nets wish they could have got that thing back. So, I kind of looked at it all and I was like, well, they probably would have done the same things. They probably would have re-upped the Flalo. They probably would have brought Nene back. Like, yeah, but they probably maybe let Kmart and Jr. walk because uh, I think George Carl was done with with Jr. and and Kmart both. But that's the other thing. I don't know that George Carl would have still been there after that year because the Nuggets in all likelihood, play Oklahoma City in 2011, whether or not Melo's on that team. That's who they're going to get in that first round. And they weren't beating that Oklahoma City team. Like, this, there's just no way. They, 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 they weren't, even with Chauncey and Melo, like, I don't think they're beating that, that Oklahoma City team. So maybe Carl gets fired, but they probably are still doing the same kind of construction. And, I, and that kind of carried all the way through to, like, they probably still try and go after Iguodala. Um, and then, and then, okay, now maybe we've got something very interesting, which would have been Iguodala, Lawson would have been, was already on the team. I think they still draft Kenneth Fareed, um, and then Mel, right? And that's your core. And with Masai at the helm there, like that's, you know, he might be able to tweak things here and there, and and maybe, and maybe that team could have really gone somewhere, but. I don't think Masai stays. Like I, I, I really thought he would have left for Toronto regardless of whether it was Melo on the roster or the or the team that he constructed after that trade. And then at that point, now you're looking at, well, would they have got Tim Connolly? And probably not because they actually wanted Pete D'Alessandro, who was the Masai's assistant, Masai's Arturus Karnasovas, essentially. Um, but ah, Pete baby. left... Ah, Petey. <laughs> but he left because the whole thing was like, it was clear, like, this this ship is sinking, right? So he went and took the job in Sacramento, and, and it flamed out horribly. So, like, my thought is, well, he they probably keep Pete, and he flames out horribly here, and then, okay, Melo, you know, either fades off into, like he basically did. You know, he signed one more contract in New York, and then uh, and then it was over. Uh, Chauncey was pretty much done. Iguodala, like, yeah, he went to Golden State, but he was never... Uh, he was never a guy who was there, the featured. I mean, obviously he won a Finals MVP, but that that very next season. But he really wasn't. You know, he he started declining too. So you probably are just like if if Melo stays in 2011, you you maybe have a little bit more playoff success if they do get Iguodala. But otherwise, I think you just basically pushed that rebuild that ended up starting in 2013. You maybe push that off till 2016, and who knows where you're at? Because you, like I said, you probably didn't end up with Tim Connolly as your GM, which means you don't get Nicole Jokic, which means you don't get Michael Malone, and so you're. I mean, I don't know. Like it's totally up in the air at that totally point. Totally But they're probably not as good as they are right now 
today if, if Melo had stayed. That was essentially the conclusion, was that him leaving actually put them in a better position today. It's fascinating that when you go through these life cycles for a lot of these teams, the only time when you really get to settle on, hey, this is the guy that we want to build around is when he's a bona fide top 10 player, could be top five player, and you could be okay with that and say, hey, this player could probably lead us to at least a conference finals. Mello was never really that guy. He had a couple of moments or he had just a couple of flashes of that where his the best version of himself was in that range. But there were a lot of moments where he, he left a lot to be desired. And it was only when he had a, a team that was really honestly perfectly fit for what right. his play style was with Chauncey as the facilitator and the leader. Uh, you had Kmart as the defensive stopper, the the, right, the intimidator. The intimidator. You had Nene as a, a an efficient role man going to the basket. Jr. is kind of the the flamethrower off the bench who could who could really carry them when Mello wasn't getting it done. Uh, it's really hard to build. And it's really hard to, when you don't have a guy who you feel like can be your everything, it's it's the DeMarcus Cousins uh, thing. It's the Paul George thing where if those guys are your best players, what are you doing? Like, are, are we just, we're just running through the mud, uh, not really going anywhere. Uh, those teams actually got better because they ended up trading those guys when, when things started falling apart. So... Right. Nuggets, I think we're in, in a similar situation based off of starting that rebuild, based off of making sure that things progressed and, and moved quicker. Masai did a great job of setting them up, of course, and it allowed them to get to the place where they needed to be, which was drafting Nikola Jokic and just getting lucky. Uh, but they also right. added a lot of younger pieces around him that seemed to have hit. So it's, Well, let's it's, be honest. What, what, what it ha- what I think what happens is is you you – because your your entire organization was in such massive flux, you ended up not your your analytics and salary cap guy, um, who's really good at that. Like I, I don't want to disparage Pete D'Alessandro because he was really good um, at being at filling that role for a team, and that's how he ended up getting a job as a head um, or as an executive vice president. Um, but if if you if you don't have mellow and so you keep all that that change going in 2013 in 2013 which makes pete leave that gives you the opportunity to go out and look and say who's the next who's the next messiah who's that next young gm who's come up from this scrappy scouting background and cutting video um in you know for for teams being a video coordinator all the way up to being a scout to working his way to assistant gm and now and now is ready for that spot that's that's the mold that Masai came out of that's the mold that tim Connolly came out of and I, man i i if i were ever to own a team that is the only type of person i would ever look for in terms of um my my gm because it just works like i i think that's that's the right way to go from these positions at least from a mid to small market team perspective because you need that that's what you got to have the guy who can go find Nikola Jokic who can go find the different gems that other people might necessarily aren't going to be valuing as high and it has that eye for that talent because you're not going to you're not going to be the Knicks you're not going to be the Lakers you're not going to be the Miami Heat LeBron and Carmelo Anthony are not signing with you in free agency so you're going to have to build your team that way and if if they 
didn't get Tim Connolly, then that I that I think is just a massive, massive amount of change that could have happened, negative change that could have happened for this franchise. Maybe that's another what if that we should write. Um, okay, let's God, let's that move one's, to that one's grim. <laughs> yeah, it'd be tough. It would be tough. They've they've that one has certainly worked out. It didn't look like it would work out initially, but but things turned around real I'm quick to think for this too, team. I don't because I don't even remember. I don't even remember who else was interviewing for the job. It kind of seemed like this Tim Connolly just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I remember a certain radio station that doesn't really talk much about Nuggets making fun of him because he was young. Uh, and that, that was about the only thing I remember about him when he got when he got hired. Crazy that young people can do a good job at things. Right? It is, <laughs> it is crazy. Uh, let's talk about one move that did not work out for Tim Connolly. Uh, that was the 2017 draft, and there, there haven't been a lot of these misses. Don't get me wrong, uh, but this was probably the biggest one. This was probably the oh for sure. The, it, it's without a doubt his biggest draft miss. The the one that really got away for this team. That if they hit this move, if they make this jump, if they get this guy, OG Ananobi at 13, is this team a championship contender right now? Like it's it's actually I think it's a very fascinating question when you think about the right. dynamic of this roster, what they need, and what OGN and Obi would provide. Right. I think I think all things if if everything else stays fairly similar, which it probably does, um, then yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be right right in that competition spot there. But they're but they're there now anyways. In my in my opinion, are they that much better? Would we think they're favored over the Lakers or Clippers? Probably not. So they'd be right, right where they're at the three seed. They might be a little bit more better equipped, though. Let's let's be. Uh, hold, let me let teams. me stop you right there, just for a second. They will never be favored over the Lakers or the Clippers. They yeah, will right, never exactly. be favored over any of these teams. They aren't favored over the Rockets right now, who are a six seed and traded their center and are starting P.J. Tucker against Nikola Jokic. The Nuggets are never going to be favored over anybody. Like it's just not going to happen. Right. Well, and, and but and also what I think is that I mean I think they're probably somewhere around the same spot in the standings, right? Right, jockeying to third seed, second seed. But I do think it's happened sure. is they're definitely they probably if if again things are pretty much equal they they're probably playing the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals last year because I think if you got OG Ananobi, you're probably not going to get killed by Rodney Hood, you know, and and you get yeah. past the Blazers like that. That for sure I think is the change. And I think long term you're looking really swell, like because I think you still probably take Michael Porter Jr. Um, the following season, and and I think you you have a guy there that you're just getting ready to set up. And now you're thinking, okay, if I'm going to have MPJ at at the four, and I'm going to have OG Ananobi at the three, and I got Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, and I got Nicole Jokic, like that that would be a very 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 good lineup that has chance. To grow into into a dynasty. Now, I mean, guys are going to have to continue to develop um, across the board, other than Nicola, right? Like Nicola is the only one I would say right now out of that group who is you could be like, yep, he could be a a top three guy on a championship team. He could be a star player on a championship team. The rest of those guys are going to have to fill in some of those other star roles and in the, the elite role player roles. But I think you would definitely feel really good about this foundation moving forward, and you would be pretty you'd be comfortable committing to it and seeing at least for a couple seasons just how far they could take you. 
The fascinating part of this discussion that I was really curious about was whether he would actually be on the roster right now. Whether even though he was drafted, even though he looks good, even though he looks like a very competent piece, whether he would be trade fodder in a trade or Michael Porter would be trade fodder in a trade to try and get a Bradley Beal or a Drew Holiday type. And Denver might have gone for that direction and the opposing teams might have been a little bit more willing to listen to those types of deals if they could if Denver was willing to part with an Ananobi or a or a Porter or somebody of that nature. And if they were willing to part with one of them and still had the other, uh, this team looks looks pretty good. Uh, it, it might not be perfect, but it there are lots of ways that they could go. There are lots of there's a lot of value in being able to get a guy like that who's six foot eight, seven foot three wingspan, athletic multi tool defensively. If there's anybody in the league long term who has a good as good of a chance as anybody to stop a guy like LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, it's probably OG. It's probably him, based off of his body type, based off of his athleticism. Well, I mean, even Siakam's a little bit skinny. He's not. He doesn't have the base athleticism and the base strength of a guy like. I'm with you, but I mean, he he could. You know, that's one of those things guys develop. Uh, Look at look at Giannis when he was a rookie versus now. Look at just compare shoulder sizes. True, Um, true. So, but I'm with you. I'm with you, and it's kind of sickening that the, the two guys that we think possibly could do this both play for the same team. Um, and it's, <laughs> they were both and, and by they're, the former Nuggets GM. And they're interested in uh, in getting Giannis in 2021. Oh, well, I mean, who isn't? But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really – it's probably one of the more painful ones to think about because it was like, man, it was there. We could have there, – there, there's no – the only reason it didn't happen – it's not like Melo where it really was like, well, they I mean, they tried. They couldn't get him, you know. It's not like um, whether or not Melo goes goes number two in the draft because, like, uh, you know, the 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 Nuggets the, he got him. were able to make that selection. Couldn't control um, it. Like it, it happens. Right. Like yeah, yeah. It would have just happened. This one they they could have done. Like it was there. Like they they could have taken him at thirteen if they had wanted him, and they didn't. And it and it's just been painful since since then. So. Um, it's it, it hurts to think about, but but it is what it is, and and you know the thing about OG that you got to remember is he wouldn't instant. He's not like it's not like if they had him right now, they'd instantly be um, the the number one team in the NBA, and you know be, be looked at as as the the, the championship um, favorites again. Which we said that's just not going to happen. There's some stigma there too as well. But you know what I mean. Like For I don't sure. think OG no, and makes you suddenly like a super team, right? But it would have been, like I said, it would have been a very intriguing core to move forward with for the next uh, the next few seasons at least. Still, he's a guy who shot over fifty percent from the field, thirty eight percent from three, one point four steals per game. As a guy that size is just absurd. Uh, having him kind of be the the defensive linchpin of everything Denver did. That seems to be like the the final piece of the puzzle for what this Nuggets team right. really it's, needs. It's what this team has been looking for. I mean, they, and and they've been looking for it since that's what hurts about that draft. They were looking for it back then, too. And they, they had it right in front of them. It's crazy. And we all knew it. We all knew that. Like, I, I mean, yeah. we... We had that, like, I still sometimes listen to the, the intro I made for this draft special on um, that we did 
on the on the pickaxe and like in that intro you are part like you have the drop when you're like if you're talking about defense you're starting and stopping with og and like <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, it was so good i was so right about that i've been wrong about other things but i was right about that that one i will take credit for um, okay, tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk about this offseason, the 2020 offseason, how this Nuggets team goes from being a playoff contender to a championship contender. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. This is the Denver Stiff Show. Ryan Blackburn here, joined, of course, by Zach Mikosh. Gordon Gross is off on assignment tonight. We we asked him to cover all of the sports that are going on in the world today. Um, <laughs> He's in Taiwan for Taiwanese <laughs> baseball. Yeah, we, so he sent him across the country by uh, by canoe because you can't fly right now. So... Uh, that's a joke. That's he's, he's correct. I think you can fly. Yeah, I, I you can. I I I joke. Who would you want should to? definitely should not fly. <laughs> don't don't fly if you can help it. Uh, let's talk about this off season because there are a lot of questions, of course, facing this off season. Lots of players are in flux. There are certain players that are under contract that the Nuggets are sh- for sure going to want to keep. There are certain players that are not under contract that they'll want to keep, and there are players who are both under contract and not under contract that I think there are going to be some interesting decisions coming down to those guys and whether Denver really wants to keep everybody around because I don't think the answer is yes. I feel like they they want to shake it up at this point because they know where this team's ceiling is, in my opinion. Yeah, I, we were talking about this before we came to the show. I think, I think the hard part is, is you, you would have really liked to be able to make the if – if we don't come back um, – it's tougher to decide. You would have probably liked to see what this this group could have done on their second crack, basically, at the playoffs, and, and see if they could have maybe got you to the Western Conference Finals. If they could have, you know, upset one of those LA teams, and then and then maybe you you, I think maybe you stay, take a step back a little bit and say, well, do we want to try and run it back? But I'm with you too because like. Unless you get to the finals, and, and maybe they would have done that. But if they, if they got to the finals, then yeah, I think you probably run it back for sure. But um, sure. Otherwise, you're probably looking at, like, how do we get over these big wing stars that we just, you know, that, that would most likely would have been the team to beat them in the playoffs. And so there's, from that point, yeah, there, there there's maybe some things. The Nuggets aren't going to have a ton of flexibility in terms of free agency and stuff like that. So there's some there's some interesting ways to look at what they, would they shake up some core pieces of their roster to try and, figure out a way to get over the LeBron James and the Kawhi Leonard's um, that, that they're going to have to face, at least for the next couple seasons. For sure. I'm uh, I'm interested in seeing what you think of this. I framed this in a way, this exercise, where I asked three questions. Who is definitely coming back? Who's definitely not coming back? And who are Denver's biggest de- decisions one way or the other? Like, So the guys that are definitely coming back, or at least the guys that I had in my category, as like greater than an 85% chance that they're here. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, Nikola Jokic, Monte Morris, Bull Bull, and your guy, Vlako Chanchar. Thank you. Yeah. The only one I might just say just slightly lower than 85% would be Jeremy Grant, just because he could be on the open market, and you never know if some other team gets crazy uh, and offers him a ton of money, and that's 
That's the only way that I would say I, I might have him more as like a 70 percenter because just because of that. But um, otherwise, yeah, I don't think I think I mean, you pretty much cover it. The well, I mean, I you, you probably have Will Barton as a guy they got to make decisions on. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll get to him. I, I think that there's it's he is more likely than not to be here. That's that's my right. opinion. Uh, however, I, I do think that there is a a relatively a potentially like big scenario where he isn't here. There, there are definitely a lot of configurations to this offseason, a lot of possibilities where he's the guy that they have to get rid of. He's the guy that they have to move in order to make things work. So let right. me get to who's definitely not coming back. I think the guy that I, the only guy that I have there is Troy Daniels. I don't think Denver's going to bring him back. I don't think Troy Daniels is going to want I, to be on that roster. Right. Yeah, that one for sure. I was gonna say I'd probably put Noah Vonley, but then I thought, well, maybe not. Um, you know, he could, he could. You, you, you're gonna decide between Noah Vonley or Mason Plumley, probably. So um, maybe you might, you might go Noah Vonley there. Well, it's it's a it's at least an interesting question. Uh, the guys who I have, and there are eight other players that I didn't mention are Paul Millsap, Mason Plumley, Tory Craig, PJ Dozier, Kata Bates Diop. Noah Vonley, Gary Harris, and Will Barton. And we'll get to those two last, but uh, running it from top to bottom there, Paul Millsap is a guy that if they're going to bring back Jeremy Grant, it's really hard to bring back Millsap too. How would you approach those discussions? Would you want Paul Millsap back for next season? I mean, I would want him back if he wants to come off the bench and do it for like, you know, $7 million a season. Then like... Um not or maybe even more than that. Maybe you know he's like a twelve or fifteen million dollar guy. Or you know maybe sure. you look at you look at Mace who's making fourteen. You don't bring Mace back and you say okay we're gonna basically get to give the fourteen to Paul. Like I, then yeah I could I could see it. Um, it what's gonna be interesting and, and it's so hard to tell because it's a personal thing and, and you know Paul's a very private guy so uh, kind of hard to get in get his read on this. But like you know what is the the stability. Uh, not not in terms of financial stability because I think the Nuggets have given him that now for sure. But um, in terms of what is like the life stability? I mean, Paul's got kids. You know, he, he's he's a family guy. Like, it, it, does he is that worth? Is staying in Denver and not shaking up his life right now is that worth it? Uh, over I what I would assume would be ring chasing. Like that's what I assume. If if they're gonna lose Paul Millsap. It's going to be to a team who's going to find a way to bring him in and, and help them compete for a championship. Or in some somehow he could go back to Atlanta, I guess would be the other thing that would make sense. But I don't know. Uh, I haven't looked at Atlanta's cap situation and what they're, you know, what they're like. I don't even know if they've really got that as an option. Oh, they have plenty of money. Uh, I, I don't okay, think I money would did. be an object there. Yeah, whether so they that, wanted him was was another question. Well, yeah, and, that, and that, that's a question. And whether – I don't know if there's some maybe some um, – you know, I don't know how Paul feels about the way you know that the things went down when he left. I know that you know he had wanted to stay in Atlanta was his first choice when he became a free agent, but they basically did. Yeah, they didn't want him. They said no thanks. Um, I don't know if maybe he's got some. You know, if some there's still some bad blood there or not. I, I'm not saying that there is or that I've heard that there is. I'm just I can see if there was, it makes sense. Sure. So that that could be. Um, that could be a deterrent, but at the same time, I think I mean I think Atlanta for for more or less is is, is home for Paul. Um, it's been it's been where he spent a, the majority of his adult life basically living. Um, so 
I could, you know, he's got he's got a life set up there too. So that that would be the the one place that I think outside of either a championship contender or Denver that he could um, he could potentially go back to. You know, we see that all the time, right? Guys go back to their team at the end of their the the team they basically made their careers and they go back there um, at the end of them for a season or two. I mean, heck, Kevin Durant went back to Minnesota, right? So um, I could see something like that occurring. I think it's not that likely that Paul is back, to be honest, just because I think you're moving forward with Jeremy Grant as your starter, and I don't know that you're going to be willing to pay money to Paul to be to come off the bench, and I think he's probably going to get, if he's taking a pay cut, he can find a team. Um, he's always taking a pay cut, but if he's taking a big pay cut and he's in closer to that, like maybe like $10 million range, um, He's probably trying to find a team that can he feels pretty good about winning a ring with, I think, in that scenario. And there's probably a team out there that Denver gives him a better chance at that. How likely is it that he could hold up as a backup five for the entire season? Well, it depends on how much you play Nikola Jokic, I guess. Um, if you're playing Jokic, you know, 36 minutes a game, and, and, and you're not playing Paul a ton as backup power forward, you're good. So I guess it also depends on how much you're going to play Michael Porter Jr., um, then yeah, sure he he could hold up fine if he's if he's only getting like 15 minutes a game, um, and and he's playing about you know 12 or so of that at, at the five. I think he could he could hold up all right. I mean we haven't seen him hold up a season yet here in Denver, so there, I think maybe it's just some age just getting it becoming a factor at this point for him. Um, but but you could do it. I wouldn't feel great about it. I can tell you that though. Yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Like it's. I think in the in the maximization of value perspective, I th- feel like Paul Millsap coming back as the backup four, backup five. You can slide uh, Michael Porter Jr. to some backup four as well. Uh, that that would be the most valuable thing that Denver could do from a from a team perspective. But I just don't know how viable that is, which means uh, you're probably not bringing him back then because you. One of the good things about Porter is that he has the size of a power forward, so you might as well take advantage of that in some of your lineups and being able to go small and get a little bit more offensive and a little bit more versatile. Uh, I'm not sure Millsap adds to that as a four anymore. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see what they do at that backup center spot because then you move into guys like Mason Plumlee and Noah Vonley. Mason Plumlee is going to probably cost you around six to eight million maybe just a little bit more uh but denver knows what they can get with him that probably get noah vonley for a little bit cheaper than that so my question to you is would you rather have mason plumley at his money or noah vonley at his money uh, I take Noah Vonley to be honest like I, I think you can one the nuggets are, are again they're not going to have a ton of money but so in fact they'll probably be over the cap from And that's that's one of the reasons why we're framing the discussion this way because Murray, Jokic, they're going to have a lot of money tied up to them. Gary Harris and Will Barton already have a lot of money tied up to them. Jeremy Grant's going to take some money. You have to set aside money for Monte Morris if you want to keep him and Michael Porter Jr. because he is about to be extension eligible after next season. And I'm pretty sure your cap's going down. Yep. Um, you know, with especially if you cancel the season, your cap's definitely going down. So they're going to be, yeah, they're going to be in a tight spot there. So they're not going to have a ton of money. Um, but for for real, the real actual cap for the Nuggets is is luxury tax line, right? That's what they actually try to stay under. Um, 
And so if you bring back Mace, then you're it's hard to like bring in some guys from the outside off of exceptions, right? Because you don't have a ton to work with under the luxury tax line, and we know they're not going to go over it. So I would take Noah Vonley at his money and see if you can't use your mid, you know, your mid level um, somewhere else to maybe get get a, a a a wing defender, even if it's somebody who's coming off the bench or something like that. Give you something, you know, an upgrade over a guy like a Tory Craig or something like that to maybe strengthen that up. I think that would be more valuable than having Mason Plumley as your backup center. The guy who I have circled there is Mo Harkless. That's not like yeah. That's not that's neither here nor there. Uh, he may be an upgrade over Tory Craig. He might not be, but I think he probably looked a lot better in L.A. than he did in New York, which is not surprising by for anybody. So, uh, be that as it may. Uh, speaking of Tory Craig, uh, you have a an interesting discussion here with Tory Craig, P.J. Dozier, Kata Bates Diop. Uh, those three guys were kind of in and out of the rotation. Bates Diop, of course, out of the rotation. Uh, P.J. Dozier had his moments. Torrey Craig had his moments. Uh, he's been, of course, one of Michael Malone's, uh, the guys that he leans on, I would say. Uh, of those three, which one would you prioritize in bringing back? Uh, P.J. Dozier, for sure. I think he's the highest ceiling of those three guys. I think he's uh, the most – oh, well, Torrey Craig's the most likely to play right away for you, but – long term the most likely to be a, a a solid part of your rotation um and and a guy who is versatile can play basically the one through three for you um which i think is value a guy who who's certainly got the 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 physical tools to be a very strong perimeter defender for you particularly at a guard position so i would i would i like pj dozier i think he's he's a a a definite player. I think he's the next kind of gem diamond in the rough that they've found. Um, and I would, I would definitely give him a full contract. Um, and, and, you know, just do the same thing they did with Monty Morris, right? Like you'd give him the same kind of deal you gave Monty Morris. It's going to be a little different because Monty was a second round, um, player, but does that matter? I don't know because, uh, with a, with a two way, yeah, Monte yeah, was on a two-way the, contract. Two so it and, doesn't really matter, yeah. Yeah, so no matter what, they're going to have to give Dozier something like that. Right, so, so you give him that deal, and I think you, and you try to see where you can maybe work him into your rotation, um, and and hopefully he continues to blossom. Like I, I feel more confident, confident about P.J. Dozier blossoming into a player like a Monte Morris, not not the same style, but same type of value, um, than I do about either Kata Bates-Diop well, that I do feel about Bates Diop. And then, you know, I mean, Torrey Craig is what Torrey Craig is, which is not a terrible player, but uh, you can find Torrey Craig in a lot of places in the NBA. I Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here with you on that. Uh, I would offer P.J. Dozier a three-year, $9 million contract with a uh, team option on the third year. Uh, he can get some of that money. The Nuggets can lock him in for a couple of seasons at least to see what he progresses into and then i would try and get him some minutes because like you said he's a multi-tool he's a guy who could play one through three makes a lot of sense as your as your primary guard defender in a lot of lineups and if you have to trade a guy like gary harris then you need some length you need some defensive intuition on the perimeter and he's a guy who i think is ready made to step into a role like that and another guy, I mean, Monty Morris is another guy who, like, if you're making a big deal, a big trade for, let's say, a Bradley Beal type of guy, like, 
that might be a player they uh, teams want. Like Monty Morris is, is a nice piece, and and you're not gonna you're not gonna forego a deal for a star player because the, you know you want to keep Monty Morris. Like if you have to add him, you'll add him. PJ Dozier at least gives you that option. Like I'm not as thrilled about his prospects as a point guard, but like he can at least play the position and would at least give you the option and have give you some depth. Or if a point guard gets hurt, right? Like you've got him there. Like. There's there's just a lot of versatility and value to him, and I and that's what you need in the NBA in in this day and age. And I think he's, um, like I said, I'm a big fan. I think he's he's a guy who can who can certainly help this team. If he's always playing next to a Jamal Murray or a Bradley Beal or a Drew Holiday or hell a Zach Levine or somebody like that, then he probably looks a little bit better. If they can at least toy with them being on and off the ball. Uh, he showed enough, in my opinion, last year for Denver to want to have a second look at him. Uh, I think you you seem to agree with that as well. He just sure. seems like a guy that they they might as well invested with as young as he is and how many athletic tools he has. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he, like I said, he he's your next guy that you you your next Monty Morris, your next Tory Craig, right? The, the guy on the two way deal who proved it on the two way deal. Okay, now let's give him a let's take the next step. Give him the small deal with some team options or some non guarantees uh, on the back end, and and if he finds his way into the rotation and becomes uh, a, a core value piece like Monty Morris, then then you look at figuring out how how you're going to keep him all around long term. If he turns out to be a guy who's you know more of kind of a situational player, but can still help your team like a Tory Craig, like that's still a win. So so for either sure. way. He's the guy I bring back for sure. I would though also Kade Bates the up I think is an intriguing guy. I haven't seen him play enough unfortunately uh, to really key in on him. Like you know obviously watch PJ Dozier pretty much play every minute he's played for the Nuggets this this season. So, um, but he's another guy who it's like you know I'm intrigued. I would I would certainly bring him back right. I mean he's a guy. It's not like his deal costs a bunch of money. So you can certainly bring him back next year and see again another guy. Can he? Can he work his way into the rotation and and find a spot um, to to bring valuable value and minutes to your team every night? His value, his his contract is basically the size of a minimum deal. So you might right. as well bring the dude back. Right. You're gonna have to fill out that roster spot with something anyway. Yeah, and, and you need you, cheap contracts to fill it up because you don't exactly. have a ton of money on the luxury tax line. So we've we've gotten to this point where we have Murray. Porter, Grant, Jokic, Morris, Bull Bull, Vlaco Chanchar. That is seven guys. We've talked about bringing back PJ Dozier, Kata Bates Diop, and Noah Vonley. Those are actually the three guys that are not like Millsap, Plumley, Craig. So right. that's 10 players. Then you have Gary Harris and Will Barton as 11 and 12. Uh, you have a first round pick as number 13. You could fill out a couple of two way contracts. Uh, with fourteen with and fifteen, whatever. although well, Bull Bull no, is still you, on a he's still on a two way, so you might yeah you do, convert Bull Bull, Bull though for I sure. Think, I think you you have to hope that that's the case. If if that doesn't happen, then I think it says more about where the team's at with Bull right. Bull than anything. Yep. Um, I would agree. But you're basically like that's basically your roster at that point. Um, well, I think you're going out into free agency. Like, I don't think you're. I think you're at least getting one guy in free agency. They might do the same thing, like they've done this year, and they've kept that 15th spot open because they were just so close to the, the tax line um, that they, there was no point in bringing in a guy so you could start the clock on the repeater tax. But you know, I, I think you don't go 
13 and two two ways because that's that's really cutting it slim. And that's, oh, yeah. in fact, no, I, I mean, you know, if you if you run into any injuries or whatsoever, you you, you could really you could be playing a lot of guys with only or a lot of games with only seven guys, like we saw them do against Utah this year. So I think they go out and use that exception then, and probably probably try and find. Um, a wing of some sort, a guy who can basically replace Tory Craig for you. Yeah, not to mention there's not enough shooting off that bench. So they would probably right. need to add somebody who they feel pretty comfortable with. And whether that's by free agency or via trade, we don't know. Um, it would be very interesting to see who they decide to target. I don't want to get into the star trades now because we've run a little bit over on time with that. But oh, we we should that. talk about that next week for sure. We will talk about uh, who the stars are that Denver should be targeting and who are some other possible trade candidates that they should be targeting as well, just based off of this conversation. Hopefully we have Gordon back for that one as well. Uh are there any other parting shots that you want to have with this Nuggets roster? How, how would you feel about it if they didn't make a star trade? If they, let's say they, they traded, if, if they had to trade one of Gary Harris or Will Barton and they traded one of those guys for comparable value as a backup, uh, do you feel good about that roster? Where, where do you think they're at? If they trade one of those guys for somebody who's a bit bigger um, but it's comparable value, then I feel pretty good about it because that's that's what you need. You need you need either Will Barton or Gary Harris to be six foot eight, you know, and then and then you feel uh, six foot eight with a seven foot three ring span. Uh, I wish they could have got a guy <laughs> like that. Uh, <laughs> that's that's but that's what you need, right? You need Alas. you need more size on your wings. So if they can find someone with comparable value of those guys, I don't know who that is. Um, but then, then that would be that would make me feel feel pretty good. Otherwise, I mean, I don't. I'm not going to be upset. Again, it all depends on who they would get in the fit. But there, I'm not a person who feels like they they need to make a star trade to to get uh, to where they need to go. I think this is it's again it, to to steal a line from Tim Connolly and Arturis used this in his Chicago press conference, which I love. But you don't skip steps. Right, and I don't think right now you're necessarily at the step where it's like, well, I gotta completely shake up the core, uh, and 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 go out and get me uh, a star player. It, it'd be I'd I'd feel better about making the statement again if I if I'd been able to watch them play in the playoffs. But um, I think for right now, if you if you run it back next year, but you find a way to address, you at least do something to address your size issue on the wings. Then, then I feel good enough to to see because guess what? I mean, LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George, those guys are all going to be one year older next year. So it's every year that passes, the Nuggets are going to be getting better. The teams that are in front of them, at least for right now, um, are going to be getting worse. So I think you can you can still continue with this group um, and feel good about it at least for for another season or so. Again, that's that's provided you don't you know get get like. Uh, lose in five games in the first round to Houston, then then I might have a different opinion. True that. Uh, I will mention one name and just tease that name without any context. Aaron Gordon. Of course you're going to tease Aaron. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. 
we'll leave it at that. That'll do it for this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Make sure to check out Denver Stiffs for some of the what-if articles that we're continuing to put out. Had a lot of fun with the first three. We're going to put some out over the next couple of weeks, so take, keep a lookout for that. Uh, we will have another episode of the Denver Stiff Show featuring more trade ideas, featuring more rosterbation talk. We love to more talk about Ryan's that in the offseason. Honestly, like this is just my fever dream in the Denver Stiff Slack chat. So just uh, you, you, you're getting a window into what my brain looks like, which is it's a little bit convoluted. So that's going to do it for Aaron this Gordon episode. Aaron Gordon lives rent-free. Oh, he's right. rent-free in my brain. <laughs> we will see you guys next week. 